We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So you may have started noticing that there's some strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They'll also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. See, what you may not know is that most plastic isn't actually recyclable anymore, and the plastic you throw in a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. So go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with our store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday, P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. My guest, the one and only Mike Wall. Once again, it is Friday. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Wall sixty-eight. Mike, one of these days, maybe. We're going to talk about a victory, uh, but this week is not that week. How have you been uh, and what's new in your world? Uh, I've been great, Andy. Thanks for having me on as always. I, I would say that not only is is this week 
uh, not a victory Friday. Uh, I th- I think we're five point underdogs going into the game at Lambeau here versus Mike McCarthy and the crew. So it, it's this is a great season. This is actually a really fun season for anybody who's been on other teams. Because you know, I went from I went from the Packers to the Panthers, and we immediately went to the NFC Championship. But then, you know, quarterback gets hurt. A couple of things happen. Vinny Testaverde, D- Derek, or David Carr. Oh my goodness, I could tell you David Carr stories. He's like best Xbox player, worst prepared quarterback in the history of like the the Carolina Panthers football program. Um, and then we went to see, and then I went to you know I was in Seattle, and I think that year, that was my last year. I went on IR. All five offensive linemen went on IR. Our one of our running backs went on IR, and Matt Hasselbeck is literally being held together by duct tape and like in cloth and string. And Mike Holmgren walks through the locker room like week. You know, we're all sitting. It's like week ten. We've lost a ton of games, and we're literally can't imagine this. There's five. There's like there's seven tables right in the in the um, training room. It's Sean Locklear, Rob Sims, Chris Spencer, myself, Walt Jones, right? And then Matt's on the end one. And and Mike walks by each one and just gives us the look of just absolute disappointment. Everybody, you know, Green Bay knows what Mike Holmgren's disappointing look, disappointing oh, yeah. look looks like. And then he just looks at Hasselbeck. He says, I, will, I can't directly quote him. He says something to the effect of, you're the only reason I'm still doing this, man. I'm glad you're at least playing. And Matt's like ready to go like, no, I actually need to bring in the righty, man. I'm out of here. I'm dead. I'm dead right now. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So, yeah, welcome, welcome to Thunderdome, people. This is how it is for everybody else. Say, it's been one of those seasons, and it's just like if anything can break bad, the Minnesota Vikings are on the top, you know, basically top of the NFC North by a ton. Only lost one game so far, and then you've got Justin Fields in Chicago, all of a sudden playing good ball, like. Just everything, just going chef kiss amazing for the Packers. So far. Not maybe amazing is a little bit uh, aggressive, but he's, he's he's taking a step in the direction at least. So uh, just everything. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just everything going the, the way against the Packers right now. But let's talk about Packers-Lions first before we get into a couple of the other things. We talked aggressively last week about how terrible this Lions secondary is and how Green Bay should have an opportunity to take advantage of that. To be fair, they took advantage of it somewhat uh, between the 20s. And once they got in the red zone, kind of crapped the bed and got let things get away a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you could have convinced either of us that the Packers would put up only nine points of offense against that Lions team. In your opinion, what happened and why was Green Bay not able to get better point production against that defense? They, the most important part about being an athlete, athletes, I don't, every athlete figures this out at a different time, but the most important thing, the most value you have to a team is your ability to win your one V one matchup. We could talk about all the schemes and all Matt LaFleur's genius, you know, Sean McVay offensive coaching plans and all how we're going to attack it. If you can't win your one V one matchup, you are not valuable to the team. And we have guys that just don't win very often. And it, it really is that easy. The second play of the game, we're running wrong routes. We have guys that are getting pressed outside. I mean, we have plays that are being made by Aaron. Aaron, for everybody who's complaining about Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback in that game, it, it could be even worse with some of the throws he's required to make and some of the moves he's required to make, given how far we get pushed off in our and some of our routes, how far off we are the red line, how how poorly we run sail routes and 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 you know to cover two sevens. So we have to do a better job at executing the plays that are called. We've talked about this for, for weeks, Andy, like 
is it is it reducing the playbook? Is it just expecting more? Is it more intense practices? What is the answer? I'm not sure because we're not in the building. But certainly when you watch this, you know, it's a confluence of events. It's not just the route running, but it's certainly in large part like Aaron's walking around out there or standing around going. He's almost like he's surprised when their guys are getting open. Like I believe, you know, I believe there's a there was a um, there's a screenshot of Twitter going around where, the, you know, somebody's running the seam route. But it's actually two people running the seam route going right, to run right into each other. And Aaron doesn't throw the ball. Lazard and Tanya, yep. And, and it's and it's the exp- and that's like the explanation of like why Aaron's not playing well, and like obviously you have to think of a couple different things. You know, he's he's got coverages to read. He has a route progression he's supposed to go through. You know, there's is there people in his face? Is he seeing the rush for the first time? You know, certainly he's he needs to play better. That's I don't think that's the uh, I don't think that's on anybody's um, or not that's on everybody's wish list. But you know, there's a lot that goes into it, and and when you don't trust that the routes are going to get run the right way. You don't trust the protection is going to be where, where it needs to be. Like you turn into a different quarterback. And we've seen that, right? Like it is very clear. He's not trusting what his receivers and tight ends are doing. He's not trusting his offensive line. And a lot of times, understandably so. And then you get into those situations where all of a sudden on a random play, the offensive line is actually picking everything up. The receiver is actually getting open. And you can see there's times where he has the ability to pull the trigger. And it's just like, he's just not trusting it because it hasn't happened with any regularity. And he can't trust that it's going to happen over and over. And that things haven't gone irrevocably wrong throughout the course of that play, because that's what's been happening more often than not. You brought up that second play of the game. I, I don't know how many times, and I've said this a couple times this week, I don't know how many times I threw up my hands watching the, the all 22, just being like, what the hell is going on? Because the second play you're mentioning, it's a bootleg out to the right. And Sammy Watkins is running a, a, a play back to the left side of the field. Um, either the worst design play in the history of the NFL uh, or more clearly, Sammy Watkins just not running the right play on the route. It's wide open space probably in the middle of the field too if he attacks that Should second ran over, the, ran over the lion's tail, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just and my guess, if I had to guess, first play of the game goes to Romeo uh, and he gets hurt. My guess is that second play, Romeo's supposed to be in that spot, probably practiced that play all week long. That's going to him. And then Sammy comes in not practice that play all week, not an excuse by any means, but my guess is that's probably not his route that they practiced all week. And it ends up being an absolute nightmare, but those are the things that have been happening to this green Bay team over and over and over. And it's really, really hard to watch. It certainly is Andy. Um, I think the the one thing that you, you forget about is all these guys are pros, I, not you, but I think yep. that the fans forget it. And sometimes these players forget like, Hey, you're a professional and your responsibilities are like, you need to know everything on the playbook on the play sheet and and what that means and now there's two things that you can look at one if romeo dobbs is the person supposed to uh, supposed to be running that route and you've tagged him as the person that's running that route and so nobody else is allowed to run it then you can't call it right and that and that does happen i can't imagine it happening with a bootleg play but that exactly. does happen but if, if that plays in the playbook and it's not tagged for a specific person you need to know that route there's no excuse especially for a, you know what he is a seven eight year vet yeah. um and you know, you, you listen, we've seen this all across the offensive line with all the injuries that have happened there. You're starting to see that with, you know, you're, you're going to see, I promise you, you're going to see it on the defensive line play this week with, with Gary being out. But this is the responsibility of professionals to learn how to do their job as best they can, regardless of the situation. If, if your number is called, you have to, you have to be able to stand up and make those kind of plays. And you know, this is, this is kind of for, for a lot of people, for people like me, like this is gut check time. And, and if I was in that locker room, you know, you're not happy about your situation, but you're also excited because I love to see what people are made of, 
right? I'd love to see what my teammates are made of. I'd love to see what kind of competitors we have. Um, that's easy for us to kind of sit out here and say, but, you know, I'll just tell you, you know, factually, when you're in this situation, you really find out a lot out about your teammates and about the kind of people they are and the competitors they are. And so there is, there is like a silver lining in some of these situations, especially maybe not this year, but they can build on this and, and the rest of the year finish this well and then build this for the next, you know, the next couple of years and, and build something special. No, I guarantee Matt LaFleur and Brian Gudikins have a very close eye on who's responding well to the adversity. It hasn't been responded to well so far, but uh, like you said, this is gut check time. This is a probably very unfun part of the job when you can't win football games and your uh, injury list is about half of the football team right now. Rashawn Gary goes on IR. A lot of bad vibes to go around and the players that are trying to respond to it and turn it around. Um, like I said, I'm sure Matt LaFleur and Brian Gudikins are keeping tabs of that as they try to probably remake this roster in probably a fairly significant way in 2023. You brought up Aaron Rodgers, and I totally agree with you in the aspect of, um, you know, things definitely could have been worse if Rodgers wasn't in there. Not a not a great game from Aaron when he did have some of those opportunities to throw the ball down the field. Uh, didn't hit, obviously, the opportunity to Toure, a couple turnovers in the red zone, one maybe a little bit fluky going off the linebacker's helmet, popping up in the air. Sometimes that's like Matt LaFleur says, the the cost of doing business. But uh, I would say probably one of the tougher games from him. Where I know you've, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know you've kind of been um, of the idea of like, hey, this is Aaron Rodgers and you know we'll live and die with Aaron. And if, if, if things aren't working with Aaron at quarterback, it probably is not going to work overall. Uh, but what did you see from this game out of Aaron and, and have your thoughts changed at all of, of uh, where he's at at quarterback right now? My thoughts haven't changed. I still think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league who just had is having a spell of bad games. He's in a situation that he probably hasn't been in in a long time. Um, if, 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 if this is going towards the Jordan Love question, uh, my, my answer is you, you play your best players until um, in, unless they can't play. Jordan Love is not going to be, you know, it's like you have to start thinking about, I, I, well, let's first, sorry, Andy, let's, let's talk. Aaron Rodgers had a bad game. He had one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. He made some bad decisions. He made some, some there's some throws to be made that he hasn't made that he's made in the past. There's some times that he's seen the rush that, and, you know, after his maybe second or third year in the seat in the league, you didn't see him making, you know, seeing the rush and making those errors like he's made them. He yeah. still is able to make any throw on the, in the, on the field He's still able to do things with his legs. He looks like he moves just as well as he used to, but he seems frustrated. He's like the body language that he certainly seems as frustrated as I've ever seen him. For sure. And we don't, and I, and I just have to like, I have to say this just so contextually people understand out there that's never, that have never been in an NFL locker room. I've been on teams, other teams in, in the Green Bay Packers, Carolina Panthers are, are a great example where the grumblings of the quarterback, because the quarter, like, what you don't see from the receivers running the wrong routes, from the offensive line blocking the wrong people, from these, all these things come on the back of the quarterback. And Aaron, like you earn that because you make $50 million a year. You're a four time MVP. You've earned everything. Like all the attention is going to be on you. That burden, he thinks he can, you know, it's always like, I got big shoulders. I can take the burden. Right now, he's feeling what that burden actually feels like when people around you don't perform. And sometimes, even as great as you are, when people around you don't perform, you have bad days. And sometimes those bad days, unfortunately, come in succession. And that's kind of what hap is happening with Aaron Rodgers right now. But moving forward, this guy is the best opportunity to win football games. And what kind of message 
are you sending like are the Green Bay Packers the kind of team that are sending the message like I guess we're just going to reboot and we'll start over fresh next year. We want to see what we, like if you don't know what you have in Jordan Love through practice right now, then you really don't. You have no idea what you're doing, anyways. Like, the people that say that Jordan Love is he needs to go out there and get some games in, and we need to see what he has because maybe he's trade bait. Like yeah, maybe he is, but. I would, from what we've seen, what we saw the Kansas City Chiefs, what they see in practice every day, if they don't have a good idea and they're going to go put him out there, the hesitation would be, what if he doesn't perform, right? And now we're going to get nothing for him. We're stuck with, you know, we've, and then the onus is on us as Gutekunst and all these guys who made this personnel decision to draft him in the first round when you had an Aaron Rodgers and you could have picked up a receiver or anybody else that's viable that would have played in the last couple of years. And you decided not to do that. You look like a fool. So you have to be very, very like smart about what is moving forward. Aaron Rodgers is the leader of this football team. I don't think you sit the leader of the football team to see if you have something with a third-year quarterback who's, to be fair, has had plenty of opportunities to show what he's got. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I do think – I think Green Bay told us all we needed to know about Jordan Love to some extent when they've continued to re-up Aaron Rodgers and go all in. It, it, it There's no way to me – if they thought they had the next, even really, you know, even like good starting quarterback, like yeah. 15th best quarterback in the NFL, something like that, that they probably don't take that trade package from Denver for Aaron Rodgers because now you've got the young, talented quarterback who's really good, top 15, top 16 quarterback, and you've got a plethora of draft picks, a ton of salary cap space. Like that is the dream. That's the best way to build a football team is if you have a young, talented quarterback and can put everything around them. And there's precedent here in Green Bay with Brett. Exactly. There's there's precedent. So, again, when people come out and say, you know, maybe we should play him, and they know, I promise you, Brian Gutekunst, like, he knows, he watches film every day. He watches practice. He's seen the Chiefs game. He's seen the pre- – he knows what he has. There's, like, there's not something – Jordan Love isn't magically going to turn into – you know, the next coming of, of Matt Ryan or Philip Rivers or something like that overnight. It's not going to happen. Maybe he develops into a great quarterback, but it's very, very difficult right now, given his body of work, given what they've seen, given the actions that they've taken, like you just discussed, to, to think that taking the reins away from a four-time MVP to the leader of this team, to the guy that's making $50 million a year, to sit him for any other reason than injury doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I – I think it does become extremely, even if they wanted to go in that direction, I do think it becomes extremely complicated to do something like that because a, this could be Rogers last season. Is that how you want him to go out is by, you know, putting Jordan love on the field instead. Again, what message does that send to the rest of the team when you've got guys that aren't running the right routes, can't do a lot of the basics that we've been talking about yet. It's Rogers that gets benched. Like there's, there's just a lot of connotation that goes into it. And I think it could make things worse more than it could be, it could actually make things better. And and if he retired, if he if he came out and he just if he walked up there today and said, "Hey, listen, I'm out of here. I'm done with this," you would you you would now I would change my opinion. Is it meaning that if he said he was going to retire in the off season, no, meaning if he said if he walked up there today and said, "You know what? This is my last go. I'm not I'm not playing with you guys next year. I don't believe in this. Yes. I don't believe in what you're trying to build." Then I would say, "All right." You can just retire right now as far as I'm concerned. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you can sit here and be the backup, but I, you know, if the season is mathematically over, then you go, then you got to start preparing because like it or not, Jordan Love's going to be your guy and you have to start. It's just like with the Justin Fields thing. It takes a couple of weeks, might take a couple of months, might take a couple of years to figure out what kind of system you can actually run with a guy because you've already invested capital draft capital in him. 
And you let's be like honest, like you you might not have a, you might not be in a position to draft a guy that's ready to start day one next year. And from a free agent standpoint, with the cap space or the cap hit you're going to get with Aaron Rodgers, like all of these things become infinitely more difficult. So that would be maybe the caveat to to my earlier statement. No, I, I totally get it. And either way, it's just it's, it's it's a difficult conversation because there's just so much that goes into it and, and the optics of everything, how you handle those like. I, I agree with you. It's just a, it's a, it's a complicated issue and there's no easy answer to it. I, I want to talk to you. Yeah. We talked about him a little bit so far and on that second play of the game. I, I don't know what to do with Sammy Watkins at this point. And going back to your earlier point of the wide receivers in this game, I don't know about you. Like, I don't know how many times I saw a wide receiver on the ground or just inability to get off of press coverage in this game. Mm-hmm. Like it was jarring a how physical the lines were with the Packers receivers, but you know, Toure Watkins, it happened to Lazard on a couple of different occasions. Being rerouted, is that what you mean? Being rerouted yeah, or just like yeah. almost being just stuck, like almost yeah. just being stuck. And there are yeah. multiple times where they like basically like hitting them and the Packers receivers going to the ground. Like you're getting bullied. You're getting bullied. On their feet. Yeah. But to with Watkins, you saw that the you know, inability to get off a of press. You saw incorrect routes, you saw uh, a dropped pass behind the line of scrimmage. Like He's banged up. He's hurt. I get it. But man, that was, that was a really rough game for Sammy and really the wide receiver core as a whole. Yeah. And you know, we talked about it last week. You, you start looking at things that work against the, the Detroit lions. You think about switch releases, you think about motion to, you know, when you just stand there and get in front of a guy and you're not good at press release and these guys come and play, play you up because they don't respect you and you're getting jammed within your five yards and it's like throwing you off your entire route or you're getting pushed outside the numbers when you're supposed to stick inside. I mean, just little things like that, details that you might not see if you're just trying to watch the game and you're following the football. But this stuff matters. And from a timing perspective, this go, we go, it goes back to it. When Aaron Rodgers is dropping back, hitting his fifth step, and literally nobody's open, or people have been rerouted, or they're on the ground, to your point, it begs the question, and I always go back to, if you're not preparing to be successful, you're just preparing to fail. Yeah. So I don't understand what is happening from this Sunday's game. So Monday through the until the next game, I don't understand what's happening in that room that that you're not seeing um, consistent improvement. Right. Like the like your your wide receiver room this year, and I understand the injuries, but injuries notwithstanding, the individual play should look something like a stock market chart during like, you know, during like a, a bull market where there's going to be some up and down days, but the trend line should be up. Yeah. And I don't know if the trend line's up. I mean, you see, you know, maybe individually with some guys, but it, the trend line has not been pointing up this entire season. It's been way too inconsistent. I know the reports have been, and I can't speak to it. I don't know for sure. We're not in the locker room, obviously. I know the reports are that Aaron doesn't want a lot of motion, doesn't want, you know, to be under center. He wants to be in shotgun, wants things a little bit more static on the outside and wants to be able to make the checks and read defenses and do the things that he does really well. If that's the case, and again, I don't know 100% that it is, but if that's the case, to me, I, I as a coach have to go to Aaron with this tape and say, this is why we can't play static. This is why we can't just line up and play three wide receivers and they're all out wide. You're not going to go in motion. And we're going to go every defense since the Buccaneers in the second half, when they went press man um, against the Packers, Packers can't do anything against the second half against the Bucs. Every defense has basically done the exact same thing against the Packers. You just played the worst 
defensive backfield in the NFL in the Detroit Lions. It's not going to get any easier than that the remainder of the season. And if you couldn't beat that defensive backfield with doing that, to me, you have to make a change and be like, this this cannot work. It's only going to get worse from here. You may start noticing that there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called liquid death. Now, why call this water liquid death? Well, mostly because it's going to brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. I have a can of liquid death right here and I'm able to open and take a drink from that. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And it looks just like water. One thing that I actually like to do is have people that don't know it's water. So you just give them one and they think they're getting a beer and all of a sudden it's actually better for them. It's a nice given thing of water. Their help. You can drink it at 9am. You can drink it at school. You can drink it at drink it in public, do whatever you want with this little bottle of goodness right here. Go get your liquid death today at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or just find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and it's going to get worse on Sunday. <laughs> yes, because, very much because so. they they're like fifty percent, you know, cover one press man coverage. Yeah. So what they do best? Yeah, welcome to Thunderdome because <laughs> it's it's about to go down. And if you uh, and if you don't, it, and it's but Andy, it's not only it is that, but it's also when you if you're going to do that and you go under center and you and you run some 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 play action and you give these guys time so they can run like they can run Sarahs. I mean, uh, the other thing that's kind of front. Well, there's two things. One. If you stack receivers, if you run bunches, then you know that some of these guys are going to get free releases. That's just how that like it's literally by yeah. design. And if you and if you get off of your route tree, like sometimes when the Packers run routes right now, it literally looks like they're running it off the high school route tree. Remember, like, oh, the one's the out, the two's the slant, the you know, it looks like a route tree. This is the national football league. Like, we do not run routes that are longer uh some, some of these routes take longer like your, your crossing routes but your sale routes like they go into different zones and come back out force people to switch and switch back force people to force linebackers to turn their head force people to be aware of who's coming in like we don't do a lot of that no. it's very it's very simple for us to like 
you know, or it's very simple for the defender to cover a route that has maybe one move or is just going straight or just has a slight bend. Like if we're not going crossing over zones and, and, and doing double moves, like this stuff is really, really, it's a hard life, man. Like this playing wide receiver, the national football league is hard. You're playing against the best athletes on the field at the defensive back position. And if you're just coming with the, uh, you know, uh, easy release or a static release and route trees, it's, it's just, it's too hard. It's yeah. too hard a sport. I totally agree. Uh, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. I thought you had a great video. Uh, you posted a play where, you know, I think Kenny Clark gets turned around on the play and uh, you know, his back's facing the team. Interesting couple weeks from Kenny hasn't played quite as well that he did earlier in the season. He's still obviously a phenomenal football player, but not the point. The point being is that I think this offense clearly not setting this defense up for success. This defense has been on the field a ton. And more importantly, they've been on the field a ton when the game has either been tied, you know, or the other team has been winning, which opens up the entire playbook and everything at the opposing offense's disposal, uh, which just makes things really, really difficult. And you can tell, you can see that these defenders are getting tired and they're getting worn out through the course of the game and things are getting easier. I thought no more evidence than that, what, 13 play 70 yard touchdown drive against the Packers when they finally get a touchdown on offense, make it eight to six, miss the two point conversion. And then again, immediately lines go right down the field, slam it right down the, the Packers defense and make it a two possession game. Yeah. The, the lions offensive line is the strength of their offense. Um, and you saw why, you know, they do a lot of things really well. They did a great job against the rush for the most part during the game. They did a great job in the running game. I know that I think the Lions average like, you know, three point yards of carry, but you know, that they they came in with it. Let's just put it this way. Like sometimes you come into a game trying to drop 36. Sometimes you come into a game with a very specific plan. And you know, the plan is to run the ball, hold the clock, make this as short a game as possible. Like Dan Campbell is going into that game with his game plan. Like, Hey, we're going to try to make this game as short as possible. We want to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. We don't know when he's going to get hot. And then they had a defensive plan for obviously with the receivers and what they're going to do. And they executed their game plan. I mean, could have they have done a better job in some area? Absolutely. Like every team, like this, you know, there's still players in the National Football League. But it is, it's a trend that we're seeing now where these games are close. The, 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 the defense is not benefiting from being up 14 points and they get a pin their ears back and they get to have those good days. And what you see, and, and it's not necessarily even like we harp on how bad the run defense is this year and it's not great but it's a completely different conversation sorry and it's a completely different conversation if you're up 14 if you're not if the game is not always close like if you if you can run if your entire playbook's open this is a whole different ball game the whole the whole point of the game really is like by the time you get to the third quarter you make the other team one dimensional and if you can't do that like you it's going to be hard to stop people in the national football league and uh, credit to the Packers defense for in some of these games, keeping it as close as possible in some of those situations, because yeah, they allow a touchdown before halftime, but man, like the offense doesn't do anything in the first half, at right. least point production wise. And yeah, they, they allow eight points. Um, I talked about it this week, but so that they allow, what was it? Um, 15 points in this game. Was it 15 to nine? 15 right? to nine. Yep. 15 nine. So 15 points in this game. If you don't have the weirdo, you know, um, Jair Alexander running into the kicker penalty. It's 13 to nine. That's not on the defense. That to me is on a weird special teams error. That's 13 to nine. And then you 
set the offense up for what should have been three points with the Jair Alexander interception that put them at the 23 yard line of the lions that ends up in the Rogers interception, but they basically gave what should have been gifted the Packers three points. If they just line up and kick the field goal right after the interception to me, this is a net 10 point game for the Packers defense that they allow like net allowed in this game. Like that should win you almost every single week, but the offense just not. And then that's even with, having the entire Lions playbook at their disposal against them through the entirety of this game. And it's just, it's, it's just frustrating because I think as, as frustrating as his defense has been from time to time, that they're probably the least of the Packers issues at the moment, at least until Rashawn Gary went out with an ACL injury. Yeah. It'll be, I think it'll be different with him gone, unfortunately, but I, I couldn't agree with you more as much. We, I think the problem is expectations with the defense. Yeah. The, the expectations right. were very, very high. And you know, they're probably somewhere around 16th right now. But unfortunately, if you're, you know, if the expectation is you're going to be 16th or you're middle of the road and you, we thought you were going to be fifth, then you're always going to be a disappointment. And again, contextually, there's reasons that these things are happening. But at the end of it, you still have to be able to get box. You still have to make tackles in the alley. You, you, you still, we still are, we had what, two touchdowns on miscommunications? Yeah. I think so. And 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 the and honestly, his, his the first the first drive, the fourth down that goes uh, incomplete in the in the end zone, another miscommunication. Jerry Alexander's on the wrong guy. Yeah, it should have been a Catch. touchdown if Goff hits it. Yep. Yeah, he, he he hits it late. So you got you got potentially three touchdowns right there. That you know one one was a bad pass, but two could have been wiped out just by communicating the right way, and and they don't. And we've talked about this before, but the most frustrating, disappointing aspect of this is miscommunications were an issue in the very first game of the season. This was an issue against the Vikings that cost them on numerous occasions. And we're now sitting in week nine and it is still an issue. And those are the things that got to get improved. Yeah. If, and if you look at the one in particular, when, when they went motion, Darnell Savage, call, I think it was Rudy Ford calls him off and, and goes and tries to undercut the tight end, which that would have been a touchdown anyway. He took the wrong angle. But then they, they did the bootleg and they threw it to the tight end on the backside. Yep. When they switch off, like the thing that is as a football player, the thing is perplexing. And I don't, I'm not a defensive guy, but like, you just know how things operate. They have like their goal line defense. They know like there's a specific coverage and you either like you either, and it's a light switch. You either switch this or you don't. There's not like, well, well maybe we're going to switch it this time. And everybody on that field should know exactly what's supposed to happen. So the fact that that was even a question is bizarre. You know, like it, yeah. it, that it's even a question that Savage switches it off and and they both follow the uh, play side tight end is absolutely bizarre just from like a coaching standpoint. Like, how did you how could is it possible that we're not on the same page on such a simplistic thing? That's bizarre to me. Yeah. So the, the play Mike's talking about, obviously, is the wide open touchdown to Zilstra um, and memory serves the one tight end comes in motion mm-hmm. aim it everyone's in man-to-man coverage savage was clearly on the tight end that was wide open and then amos uh and the other tight end comes in motion amos goes along with him the the tight end goes out in the flat savage is trying to communicate with amos to be like you go and then he was going to cover the flat like you said it wouldn't have mattered anyway because the angle was poor the flat was open probably if they wanted the touchdown in the flat but Amos keeps coming as if he's in man-to-man coverage with his guy the entire time, not making any adjustment. Meanwhile, Savage makes the initial move to go with the tight end in the flat and then sort of like does like a just little spin to like in nowhere, no man's land because there was the miscommunication. And then you've got Savage's guy originally that just goes Zilstra wide open in the opposite corner of the end zone. These are two safeties that have played together 
for this is the fourth year, right? This is their fourth year mm-hmm. uh, playing together now. Um, that that just can't happen. It's just it's unfathomable that that those things can happen at this point in the season. And like you said, there's probably a base call that they have that they're going to do every single time if that happens, and they just can't get it communicated. And that, and that again, the frustrating part about all of it when you watch games um, and you study them, like like you and I have, is a lot of this is mental. Like they're not like they're not necessarily get. Sometimes you get physically beat. You talked about Kenny Clark getting turned around on a double team. Sometimes you get physically beat, and and honestly. As a player, you can live with that. Yeah. What you can't live with is all of the mental errors and miscommunications that are going along with this game because that speaks to preparation. And then when we start talking about preparation, you don't get too far down the road to start. You start talking about, okay, what does preparation consist of? Well, there's the individual and then there's the team. Who's in charge of the team? The coaching staff, right? Are we doing a good job preparing these guys to be successful? And when you have that stuff littered through the tape, nine weeks through the season on offense, defense, and special teams. I don't, I don't know what that is other than a, a major red flag. Let, let's talk about a positive. Um, Rudy Ford, Isaiah McDuffie, probably not guys that are ever going to go to a Pro Bowl. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say, at least as uh, defenders. Maybe Rudy Ford can get there as a special teamer at some point. But uh, both of them, really nice game. Rudy Ford, is every single time he's been on the field defensively, has made positive plays and positive contributions to the defense. And Isaiah McDuffie this week, I thought he was fantastic as a run defender, you, you know, slipping blocks, getting, uh, you know, making tackles. Like he was all over the place. I, I thought this was an impressive game from both of those players. Yeah. We highlighted both those guys on our show last on, on Monday. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie in particular, I've been a big fan of him since, since the preseason. He's just continued to show up. And it, Andy, he's kind of what we've talked about all year, what we're missing from the linebacker position. Guys that are slipping blocks and hitting the, and hitting the running back in the hole. And you, you, there's like, there's actually two specific plays one where he slips the right guard, hits the guy in the hole, and the other when he comes across the ball, across the center, and gets the guy on a, on a pulling play, gets the guy right in the hole in the B gap. And he he's meeting the player at the line of scrimmage. That's like old school. This is how we okay. play linebacker. And the difference, the contrast in – and, again, Quay Walker's a great athlete, and there's a lot of positives, and this is not a knock on him at all. It's just the style of play is different, and I happen to be more familiar and therefore more ingratiated to – the style of play where we don't tackle the guy eight yards downfield yes. after we get off the block, we chase him. I'm, I I just personally like the style of play where we shed the block and hit the guy in the hole. That's just how I like to see football. So Agreed. I'm a huge fan of Sam McDuffie, no question about it. Ford's a great tackler as well. And, you know, given the injury, given the Stokes injury, given the situation at safety, it, it just begs to at least ask the question, like, is does his, do his, when do his reps go up? Not if, but I guess when do his reps start going up? No, I totally agree. Like, uh, there's probably some coverage issues with Ford, maybe that they don't feel comfortable with, whatever. But like, compared man, this, to what? I, yeah, very, <laughs> very, very fair point. Very fair point. Uh, but man, like this team just needs a guy, a couple guys that play with a little bit more juice and intensity and sprint to the ball and make and hit guys. And man, Rudy Ford has been that every single time he's on the field. And yes, point very, very well taken. All right, before we get out of here, last question for you. Jeff Saturday, named head coach. I want to get your thoughts on that. And more importantly, if everything ever does go south uh, with Matt LaFleur and, uh, and and Mark Murphy says, Mike, we got to have you as head coach. What is the what is the Mike Wall era look like with uh, uh, you as head coach at the Green Bay Packers? Let, let's start with uh, let's start with Jeff Saturday. Um, I think Jeff Saturday is an incredibly uh, capable 
person to be a head coach in the National Football League. And I think that's going to, a lot, you know, you, I've, I've heard a lot of people this week saying that he's not qualified, saying that he doesn't have the experience. And I think from the, some of the machinations that come along with being head coach, as far as what you have to deal with during the week, um, you know, obviously things like uh, game management, he's going to have people that in the booth that are going to help him with that. Um, he's not, gonna, he's not a play caller. And so, you know, there's all these different kinds of, 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 um, head coaches, there's head coaches that they call plays, there's head coaches that are specific to defense. And then there's game, there's kind of people managers and, and Jeff's out to be a people manager. And I, I happen to think that he'll be a very good one. The problem that, the problem that I have with it is that when the owners are talking about experience in particular with some of these, you know, some of the African-American coaches that are more than qualified to be on the, by the way, I think Reggie Wayne's on the staff and it's like, I, you find out Reggie Wayne's on the staff and you go, well, why the hell isn't Reggie Wayne the coach? If this is the criteria, seriously, just, just make Reggie Wayne. That was very easy. Right. And so it, it, it does fly in the face of the Rooney rule, even though it's not technically the Rooney rule because of its interim basis, but it does just again, demonstrate that, you know, Jim are and, and billionaires going to do what billionaires want to do. And they're not going to listen to anybody and they're not going to answer anybody. I don't think that, you know, that's not anything on Jeff. Um, I can tell you that, you know, I, I had a, a successful career. I played 11 years in the league. I had a, I had a executive who's come out in, in support of this because I'm sure he wants a job from Ursay. Tell me like all of your experience is lucky enough to get you a foot in the door and that's it. Right. And I, you, yeah. you hear you, Keyshawn Johnson says the reason that I don't want to coach is because like I don't think that my 12 years Super Bowl all pro first pick in the draft experience is on the same level as a guy who knows a lot about Vizio that's 23 years old and I should be in the same spot as him. And so you 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 have the, and whether or not you agree with that or not, you know, it's 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 right. just I, I understand the way that people think. But I'm I'm shocked that they hired him you know, from just from a practical standpoint, because they had qualified people on staff. And I'm not talking about Gus Bradley and John Fox, although I think Gus is a great coach. I'm, I'm talking about guys like if you want somebody to change the culture, you put you put in a Reggie Wayne, you know, or you, or you call you know, Tarek Glenn's in town. Too. I mean, there's, got, there's guys there that kind of give you the same. Um, I, I'll tell you what's interesting about this, Andy, to be honest with you. It's like it's it's like John Lynch. It's like it's like, do you remember when Matt Millen ran the Alliance? Oh, yeah. Very well. Right. Of course, everybody does. We love it. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like the it's like the glory days for the Packers. Like Matt Millen, go take charge of the Lions. Like ruin them for 12 years. Right. And coming off TV. And it's amazing the power that the television has, because these I mean, these guys literally are these owners are going, oh, he looks he sounds smart on a scripted thing on television. Not that Jeff Saturday's not smart, you know, but this is right. how they think. It's like, oh, he must have all the answers. And it's, it's, it is absolutely, it's amazing. It really is amazing that, that in this day and age, that actually happened. I hope it yeah. works out. I'm a big fan of Jeff Saturday, but I'm amazed that it happened. Whether it's, uh, you know, president of the country or head coach of an NFL football team, getting a lot of time on air can get you a lot yes. of different things in this world, unfortunately. And we, uh, we live in a time, and I'm not saying this is Jeff Saturday, but we live in a time, unfortunately, where, uh, sometimes the loudest uh, get the most popularity and get the most uh, support. And uh, like I said, I don't think that's necessarily Jeff Saturday in this situation, but um, it's just unfortunate that sometimes the most qualified and uh, you know, people that are a little bit more deserving don't get those opportunities a bit more often. So let me, let me ask you this, Andy, before we go, in your opinion, what qualifies somebody to be a good head coach? Because 
we've, we've seen that like a position coach doesn't necessarily make a good coordinator. A coordinator doesn't necessarily make a good head coach. What are the qualities? If you're building a team, what, what kind of, first of all, of those three coaches that we talked about, which one are you looking for? And, and like, so what are the qualities that are, are important to you? Because, you know, I think we've all, we can all agree that there are some really good and some really bad head coaches. Yeah. So, and like you said, there, I don't think there's any necessarily perfect formula, but things that I really want to see, and this is a, a word that I know you're going to love. I want to see really process oriented coaches. Like uh, how do you get results out of process? Uh, I want to know uh, a coach that has a plan offensively, defensively, and special teams for how this, this team is going to look both now and moving forward, have a vision for what that looks like. Um, I wanted to focus on obviously like, this is going to sound insane. Maybe, maybe not. I always thought Mike McCarthy did a tremendous job with keeping his pulse on the team. Now, maybe not so much in the later years, but certainly when he was really, really good, keeping his pulse on the team, having to process how he evaluated players and like just keeping everything. Um, how do I want to say it? Like th there was never anything that got like, uh, like overlooked. Like he was, he had, his, he, he just had the temperature of everything. Everything was evaluated. Everything always had a process to it. Not perfect by any means, but that's something that I want. I want somebody who has some ingenuity and creativity. I don't think you can stay stale in today's NFL. I think you have to be constantly evolving. And I like one of the things that would probably be an ultimate turnoff for me would be yeah, the coaches that say, this is my scheme and I have to get the only players that can fit this scheme. If I can't get a play, like a, an amazingly talented player and my you know GM would draft that player and I'm like, nope, I can't use that guy because he doesn't fit my scheme. Then your scheme does like it has to be malleable enough that you, you as the coach, can mold your scheme to be successful mm -hmm. to what the players that you have on your team. So um, the ability to have process, the ability to hold accountability, ways to make players better over time, uh, a progression, uh, creativity, and then again malleability with what you want, <clears throat> what you want to do as a, a coach, and how you can fit players to your scheme. Those are just off the top of my head, some of the things that would be super important to me. Yeah. So, so to, so to put a bow on that, like Mike McDaniel seems like a really good coach, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Right. Very, he doesn't, very, he doesn't very, have a, he doesn't have a lick of playing experience exactly. like out in the pro in the pro leagues, but like to, I feel the exact same way. I watch, I listen to him. I see what is, I see how he's going about his business. I see how he's like so passionate about developing players. And I just go, man, this, I think this guy's going to have a bright career. Like I do I'm, too. I'm, I'm super excited for him. No, you, you love seeing those, those type of coaches and you like, you can just see he's super creative too. And I, I just love when you've got, not, not what I would, maybe not, maybe agent of chaos is a little bit strong, but an agent of change, right? Like he has mm -hmm. the ability to be a coach that like teams, other teams eventually look at and be like, look what Mike McDaniel's doing. And I think that can hopefully be an agent of change for the NFL for, for how they view him and how successful he can potentially be. Mike, phenomenal stuff as always. These are just a joy every single week. Uh, tell the people where we can follow you on Twitter and uh, about your podcast as well. Yeah, MikeWall68 on Twitter. Check out On My Block. It's a Packers podcast. I do it with uh, Packers all-time leading rusher, Amon Green. You can check that out anywhere you podcast. We do a ton of video breakdown. So that's on the Process to Perform channel at YouTube. So go to YouTube backslash Process to Perform. You can check that out or just Google On My Block. Yeah, it's phenomenal stuff. Enjoy you and Amon every single week. Of course, you can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. We will be back here next week. Uh, actually, what day after or – now we'll have to actually talk about that because it's Titans Thursday night game. So we'll have to figure out something in that regard. But 
Jeffrey uh, Simmons is going to be a problem. It's going to be a major problem. Oh. But either way, Mike and I will be back at some point. I'll be right back here tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done